Welcome to the Bible Truth Podcast with Ron and Tim Reynolds, pastors and Bible teachers. Pastor Ron and Pastor Tim combined for more than 70 years of teaching and preaching God's Word. Listen now as they share the eternal truths of the Bible. Hello, everyone. This is Pastor Tim with Bible Truth. We appreciate you tuning in. Today, I want to bring a message titled, Where Are They Now? from the book of Luke chapter 16, and I'll read verses 19 through 31. This is Jesus teaching, and he's telling a true story, not a parable, because we actually have the name of a person here, and uh, he describes the, the setting in detail. He says, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me, and send Lazarus, that he may dip the tip of his finger in water, and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. Beside all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed, So that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Then he said, I pray thee, therefore, Father, that thou wouldst send him to my father's house. For I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, They have Moses and the prophets, let them hear them. And he said, Nay, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. And he said unto him, If they hear not Moses and the prophets, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. There's a strange philosophy creeping into Western society among people who do not believe in God, the Bible, or the resurrection of Jesus Christ today. And that is that belief in the afterlife is actually growing. In fact, nearly 40%, 4 in 10, of atheists, agnostics, and non-religious claim to believe in life after death. So while we're seeing church attendance on the decrease, belief in the afterlife is on the increase. That's very strange. The question is, why is that? Why are secularists looking for ways to embrace the afterlife? Well, I believe it's because they are really unable to live with the implications of their own philosophy. You see, atheists, too, lose loved ones to cancer. They experience tragedy in life. They, too, want to cling to even vague notions of an afterlife, even though they claim to reject biblical truth. The questions that we are going to answer through this study today often come up at the death of a loved one, and those questions are, where are they now, and what are they doing? I'd like to use our text today from Luke chapter 16 To answer those two questions, this is one of the most important and relevant passages in the Bible regarding what is going to happen after this life. The first thing I want us to notice is that Jesus tells us about two people. Now, these two people are contrasted in life. He begins again there in verse 19, there was a certain rich man which was clothed in purple and fine linen and fared sumptuously every day. 
And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. Here you have a rich man. We do not know this man's name, but he is clothed in purple, which tells us that he is a man of royalty. He is a man of means and power and position. Perhaps he was a a, a mayor in his uh, community or uh, even a governor, something like that. But whatever the case was, he was very powerful and had a lot of prestige. Lazarus is not clothed in royalty. He's clothed in rags, the Bible says. The rich man fared sumptuously. He would be what we call living the dream, had everything nice that this world has to offer. And yet poor old Lazarus ate from the crumbs, the scraps of the rich man's table. The Bible also tells us this man was full of sores. It was so bad that the dogs would come and lick the sores of this poor beggar named Lazarus. They are contrasted in how they lived in this present life. But then they are contrasted in their death. In verse 22, the Bible says, And it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Let's talk about Lazarus. What happened here is Lazarus, the beggar, died. At the moment of his death, his spirit was escorted to Abraham's side in heaven. We call it paradise or heaven. Likely, his body was thrown into the town dump. There was a place called the Valley of Gehenna where they would throw the bodies of uh, beggars and, and lepers and people who really had no prestige. They did not bother with burying them. They would just burn the bodies. This man had no fanfare at his death, no eulogy, no visitation, no obituary, no memorial service. It is very likely he just passed away without any fanfare. Nobody really cared. However, it says the rich man was buried. So apparently because of his wealth, he could afford to have a tomb and be buried. We can imagine that his visitation was complete with professional mourners. They did that back in those days. They would hire people to come and mourn, even if they did not know the person. Of course, he would have had family there and probably a list of who's who in town, the finest dressed people and with money, and they came to attend his memorial service. Several people may have given eulogies for this man. Maybe he owned many businesses. Maybe he had a great education. I can imagine if there would have been a community newspaper in those days, his, his obituary, his obituary would be several paragraphs long, listing his many accomplishments, the businesses he owned, and all of the things that he earned in this life. Probably had a beautiful headstone, perhaps his own mausoleum for his body to go into. These two men are contrasted in life and in death, but we're going to see now two places that these two people go. The first person I want us to look at, the place he goes, the rich man goes to a place called hell. The Bible says in verse 23, and in hell, he lift up his eyes. I want you to tell you that we seem to have become too civilized and too educated to believe in hell today, but hell is a place of reality. It is no less real today than it was a hundred years ago. It is no less hot than what it was 500 years ago. Hell is still a real place. It's still an awful place. It's still a place of reality. Now, what is it like in hell? Well, we get an example of this from the man in hell, this rich man. The Bible says, and in hell, he lift up his eyes being in torments, and seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. That tells us that the person in hell has a body made for hell. That body has eyes that can see. Their people in hell have vision. Not only that, verse 24 tells us, 
And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Well, that tells us that people in hell have a voice. So they have eyes, they have vision, they have a voice. This man is crying out. And then he apparently has feeling and taste because he goes on to say, send Lazarus that he may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. So here you have eyes, you have a voice, you have a tongue. And so people in hell don't get the idea that it's an imaginary place. And I don't know exactly what the body in hell would be like, but it's certainly some type of body that is made for this awful place called hell. And not only that, but there's something even worse than that. People in hell have a memory because whenever he asked for this and he says, I'm tormented in this flame, Abraham said, son, remember that thou in thy lifetime uh, receivest good things and Lazarus evil things. He, He said, remember, remember when you had a fine home and nice clothes and plenty of food. Remember when everything went so well for you when you were in the, uh, in your physical body in life. I'm telling you that hell is a place of reality. People there have vision. They have a voice. They have taste. They have feeling. They have a memory. And something else about hell that makes it an awful place is, is that it is a place of separation. Abraham continues in verse 26 and says, besides all this, between us and you, there is a great gulf fixed. There is no getting out. The person that goes to hell will never get out of hell. It is complete separation from God. It is also complete separation from anything or anyone who is good. There is nothing but hatred and misery in hell. People sometimes will be foolish enough to say, well, I'll go to hell and be with my friends and and uh, it'll be party central. No, it won't. Everyone hates one another in hell. You are completely, totally isolated and separated from God and anything that is good. Hell is a place of reality. It is a place of separation. It is also a place of regret. As we read the story, Jesus continues in verse 27, Then the rich man said, I pray thee, therefore, father, he's referring to Abraham here. The reason he says father here is that Abraham was the father of the Jewish nation. And so his listeners could identify with this. He says, father, that thou wouldest send him, send Lazarus to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. He is saying, listen, if it's too late for me, please tell my brothers Tell them I have five brothers and I don't want them to come here. It would be like someone today. Let's say a daddy passes away and goes to hell. And he would say, please tell my wife, get saved. Don't come here. Please tell my kids, don't come here. Please church, send a bus to bring my kids to church. I don't want them to come to hell. Please tell my loved ones, my husband, my wife, my parents, my children, don't come here. You see, hell is not a place of reunion. People there do not want their family there. They do not want their loved ones there. And this man says, please, if it's too late for me, please at least tell my brothers because I love my brothers and I don't want them to come here. And then it's also a place of torment. We read in four separate verses about torment and tormented. He says, I'm tormented in these flames. What does the word torment mean? It means severe agony and affliction and suffering. Jesus, in fact, warned of hell more than he even talked about heaven. Listen to what Jesus says in Mark chapter 9, verses 43 through 48. He says, if thy hand offend thee, cut it off. It is better for thee to enter into life maimed than having two hands to go into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not and the fire is not quenched. And if thy foot offend thee, cut it off. 
It is better for thee to enter halt into life than having two feet to be cast into hell, into the fire that never shall be quenched, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. And if thine eye offend thee, pluck it out. It is better for thee to enter into the kingdom of God with one eye than having two eyes to be cast into hell fire, where their worm dieth not, and the fire is not quenched. Beloved, that place is an awful place called hell. It is a real place. It is a place of separation, a place of regret, a place of torment. Jesus says the fire is never extinguished. It is never quenched. The worm dieth not. It's a place of just disgust and misery and regret. That's where this rich man who fared sumptuously in this life, that's where he went. What about Lazarus? As we go back to our text in Luke chapter 16, we find Lazarus in paradise or what we might call heaven. In this passage of scripture, Jesus refers to it as Abraham's bosom or at the side of Abraham. Back in verse 22, the Bible says it came to pass when the beggar died that he was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. You see, he was, he was gently taken. Now, it, it, you get the picture here as the body is dead, and that body was probably thrown on that burn heap. Very sweetly, the spirit of Lazarus was ex- escorted by the angels into the present, uh, presence of Jesus. As the rich man lifted his eyes up in hell, Lazarus was taken into heaven. Now, what do we know about heaven? Well, we don't have a lot of information, and I shared some of that last week, but just from uh, this portion, I want to share three things that we can see about heaven. And one of those is that it is a place of comfort because Abraham says in verse 25, he says, remember, and when thou in thy lifetime received good things and Lazarus evil things, but now he, Lazarus, is comforted and thou art tormented. Heaven is a place of comfort. No more hunger, no more tears, no more sores for this man, no more sadness. Perhaps you have a loved one in heaven today. Maybe in this life they were they were uh, cancer ridden, or maybe through some accident uh, their body was distorted and and paralyzed, and and they, they maybe they just had some sort of disease. In heaven they have none of that. They are comforted in heaven, just as those in hell have a body for hell. Those in heaven have a body made for heaven, and it is a place of comfort. It is also a place of fellowship. I told you a while ago that hell is a place of misery and hatred. People don't want to fellowship in hell. They hate one another there. But heaven isn't like that. In heaven, we have fellowship with people like Abraham. We'll get to talk to some of those Old Testament saints like Noah and and uh, Adam and Enoch and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Daniel. And then in the New Testament, you have the Apostle Paul and Peter and John and James. And we'll get to fellowship with all of them for eternity. It's a place of fellowship. And then uh, another wonderful thing about heaven is... It is a place of reunion. Now, I said that hell is not a place of reunion. People in hell do not want their family to come there. But heaven is a place of reunion. We read about that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 as we have a picture of the rapture here. Listen, please, to 1 Thessalonians 4 and verse 13. The scripture says, but I would not have you to be ignorant or without knowledge, brethren, concerning them which are asleep. That would be believers whose bodies are dead and yet their spirit is in heaven. That you sorrow not even as others which have no hope. Now we naturally sorrow when we lose a loved one, but we don't fall apart because we still have hope. We're going to have a reunion with them one day. Now it's based on verse 14. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, 
Even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. So the, it, the prerequisite here is you must believe that Jesus died and rose again. So if we believe that, then we also know that the, the spirit and soul that is with God at the time of the rapture, Jesus will bring them with him to be reunited with their body that will come out of the grave. Let me read on. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent or precede them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Those in the graveyards that are believers, when the trumpet sounds, and it could be today, I pray that it is, that trumpet sounds, their bodies will come out of the grave, but they'll receive a new glorified body, reunited with the soul and the spirit, no more cancer-ridden, broken bodies, but a new body. And then the, the, the apostle Paul goes on and says, then we which are alive and remain, Paul was looking for it in his day as we continue to today, shall be caught up. We'll be raptured together with them, our loved ones in the grave, in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. You see, the rapture is a, is a, a time of comfort. Why? Because it's a great reunion day. Can you imagine people being reunited with spouses that have passed away, with children who have uh, died before parents, uh, parents who have gone on, and grandparents? What a great reunion in the clouds it will be. Most importantly, we'll be united with Jesus Christ himself, the one that we worship and we pray to and we sing about. We'll finally get to be with him. And the, the apostle Paul says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's a great uh, example of the comfort that the believer has. And then the last thing I want to share with you from this passage are two principles. Now stay with me here because I really want us to understand this. And that is number one, here's the first principle. It is the priority of personal decisions. I'm going to go back now to Luke chapter 16 and read verses 27 through 29 again. Verse 27 the rich man says to Abraham, then he said, I pray thee, therefore, father, that thou wouldest send him, send Lazarus to my father's house. For I have five brethren that he may testify to them, lest they also come into this place of torment. Abraham saith unto him, they, your five brothers, have Moses and the prophets. They had the same Old Testament scriptures that the rich man had. They had the same access. Let them, your brothers, hear Moses and the prophets. What is the point here? Here's what Abraham is telling the rich man. He is telling him that it's too late for you, uh, but I can't send Lazarus to your brothers. They are going to have to make their own personal decision with the information they have the same way that you had, uh, the same information you had access to. You see, each brother, there were five of them, and we don't know. All five of them may have gotten saved and accepted Christ, or all five of them may have joined him in hell. The Bible doesn't tell us. But what it does tell us is each one had to make a personal decision about their salvation. Let me tell you this. This preacher cannot make that decision for you. I can give you the information. I can tell you about the gospel and your need for salvation, but I can't save you. All I can do is give you the information. You have to make a personal decision. You say, well, I, you know, I think I'm going to heaven. My dad was a good man or grandma went to church. That has nothing to do with it. You can be born in a pastor's family, and if you're not saved, you'll split hell wide open because it's a personal decision. Let me ask you something. Has there ever been a time that you have gotten alone with God and you've repented of your sin and you've asked Jesus to 
save you. If you haven't done that, don't base it on what someone else in your family has done. Don't base it on your husband, your wife, your kids, your parents, grandparents. What have you done with Jesus? That is the question because that is the only thing that determines the eternal destiny of a person. And uh, that is making a personal decision to accept Christ. It was too late for the rich man, but his five brothers each had to make a decision as well. And then the last thing I want us to see is this second principle, and that is the priority of presenting Jesus. Now, verses 30 and 31, listen carefully. And he said, the rich man said, nay or no, Father Abraham, but if one went unto them from the dead, they will repent. So he says, you know, I'll know they'll be convinced. If, they, if somebody comes back from the dead and witnesses to them, I know they'll repent. And Abraham said to the rich man, if they hear not Moses and the prophets, they won't believe the word of God, neither will they be persuaded, though one rose from the dead. Now, not uh, this is not simply referring to Lazarus coming from the dead to witness to the brothers. All right, that's the initial context here. He tells the rich man, if they won't accept God's word, they're not going to accept a dead man risen from the grave telling them the truth, all right? But this is not only about Lazarus. Jesus here through this, uh, relating this story, is also talking about himself. The fact that Jesus Christ rose from the dead to provide salvation for humanity should be enough for people to get saved. And yet the majority of people will not get saved. In fact, Jesus said, broad is the way that leadeth to destruction and narrow is the way that leads to salvation. I hate to tell you this, but there will be more people in hell than there will be in heaven. Why? Because people love darkness rather than light. They want to go their own way, either put it off or say, I don't believe that or I don't need that. And then eventually what happens is they die and they have no second chance, no opportunity to get saved. You still have an opportunity. If you're hearing the sound of my voice, you have an opportunity. I'm presenting Jesus to you today. I'm telling you that he is the one who died and rose again from the grave. He is your only way to heaven. You see, you don't go to heaven because you go to church or you're a good neighbor. Those are all good things to do. But you only go to heaven because of your faith and trust in Jesus Christ alone as your way to salvation. You say, where are they now? Well, I can tell you where Lazarus is. Lazarus is still in heaven. He's comforted. He's in, he's in peace. He's waiting for that new body that's going ha- to come. It's going to happen uh, whenever the rapture occurs. Where is the rich man? He's still in hell today. He is still tormented by those flames. I believe he is still yelling out moment by moment, send someone with some water to cool my tongue. I believe minute by minute, that memory, you know what people are remembering in hell the most? They are remembering all of the times they rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ that was presented to them. Maybe they heard it at vacation Bible school and they rejected it. Maybe they heard it at Sunday school and rejected it. Maybe they went to a revival service and the preacher preached, you need to get saved and they rejected it. Perhaps you're listening this morning and you hear you need to get saved and you reject it. People in hell, I think throughout eternity are going to remember all of those times when they did not accept the gospel, but it's too late. That's where they are. What are they doing? One is comforted. One is tormented. What about you? You say, pastor, I I don't know that I'm saved. How do I do that? You need to know that Jesus loves you. 
that he died for your sins and rose again. You need to realize that you are a sinner and you have no opportunity of going to heaven without Jesus saving you. You can pray a prayer like this. Perhaps you're at home, you're in an automobile, wherever you are. It's not the words, but it's meaning it with your heart. If you pray something like this, dear Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I believe you died and rose again for me. And Jesus, I ask you today to forgive me of my sins and to save me and to take me to heaven. If you pray that prayer, the Bible says you are born again. You've made preparation for the life to come. Don't be so foolish as to be so wrapped up in this world that you don't make preparation for the next. Get that settled and taken care of. I appreciate you tuning in today. Let me thank you for uh, being a part of the Bible Truth program. And uh, if you would like to support us, you can write to us at Bible Truth Broadcast or Bible Truth for Living, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. If you want to support us with a financial gift. We always uh, thank you for that. It goes directly to help us with our radio time and our podcast. And uh, we thank you uh, in advance for that. Thank you so much for listening. I look forward to being with you again next time. Until then, this is Pastor Tim Reynolds saying, may God bless you is my prayer. You've been listening to the Bible Truth Podcast with your host pastors, Tim and Ron Reynolds. They can be contacted on the Mount Vernon Baptist Temple Facebook page, or you may send Pastor Tim an email to T-I-M-R-E-Y-1 at hotmail.com. Or if you prefer, mail correspondence to Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois, 62864. Again, that's Bible Truth Podcast, 817 Woodland Drive, Mount Vernon, Illinois 62864. Thank you for listening.